Hello, welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan, how's it going? You know what this week is? What? Start of year eight on this podcast. That's kind of wild. Almost a decade. Almost a decade. That That's that's a long time, Amy. We've been doing this a lot. 380 episodes and eight years, starting the eighth year. So finished seven years. That's pretty crazy. So we've made it longer than like about a dozen and a half Kardashian weddings. That's so weird that that's what you think of. <laughs> like, I don't even... It doesn't even, I've never even watched a Kardashian. Neither show. have I. I just know that, okay. that, you know, that's, you know, kind of the joke yeah. there. So, well, hey, here's to year eight. Let's get going. We got a lot to do this week and uh, we got a big week coming up in Anaheim in a week and a half, actually. I'll be headed out that way in just a few days and you'll be coming out in just a few days as well. But hey, if you're going out to Anaheim, thousands of Southern Baptists will be gathering with you for the SBC annual meeting, and Southwestern Seminary wants to see you there. Tickets are on sale now for Southwestern Seminary's SBC Alumni and Friends Luncheon. It's going to take place on Wednesday, June 15th at noon, or right after that first session ends on Wednesday morning. So make plans to reconnect with fellow alumni, catch up with your Southwestern faculty friends. You can purchase tickets over at the Southwestern website at swbts.edu slash sbc22. That's swbts.edu slash sbc22. Be sure to stop by, see them in the exhibit hall as well. Going to be a, a great exhibit hall this year. A lot of vendors out there in Anaheim. So uh, looking forward to that. Looking forward to seeing all of our friends from the pod, all of our good friends of the pod out there in Anaheim. Got a couple of notes about a couple of them this week. Uh, a big promotion for one of them, maybe. So talk about that a little bit later in the episode, but we start with a follow-up from last week's story. The SBC Sexual Abuse Task Force released this week their recommendations that they will be bringing to the annual meeting in Anaheim. That report came out on Wednesday. So when the task force released the guidepost report on May 22nd, they included a cover letter that referenced some of the uh, direction they would be heading, but they intended to share their recommendations later. They did issue that report on Wednesday. It includes some challenges for Southern Baptist groups. Uh, this is similar to, you know, we had the Evangelism Task Force report in 2018. We had the Great Commission Resurgence Task Force report in 2010 that had recommendations for other groups. That's not something that the task force can direct or, you know, anything like that, but it can just say, Hey, here's something we saw in patterns. And so we would recommend these things. We would request these things. Then there are two more formal recommendations and motions that include a implementation task force. So that's essentially sort of a group that continues. There's so much in this re guidepost report to digest, including a long list of recommendations that the firm has made. That's way too much for this task force to go through in just a few weeks. And so they're recommending the creation of a task force to continue over the next few years to report back in New Orleans and things like that. Um, and then also the formation of a website that maintains a record of those uh, who are credibly accused or convicted of sexual abuse. Now I've seen, there's a lot of question about what credibly accused means. 
that recommendation uh, report or that report that they issued on Wednesday has a footnote that sort of defines that, explains that. I think there's going to be some continued discussion, just just helping us all understand what that definition means before uh, before we vote. So certainly pay attention to that conversation. But uh, they will deliver their report at 1.45 during the Tuesday afternoon session. Yes, and you mentioned that FAQ. You can find all the recommendations as well as the FAQ and the full report over in the SBC annual meeting app. So you can prepare for heading to Anaheim by doing so, by reading that and, and checking that out. So we, we broke out the executive summary as well. So if you, you just have a little bit of time to be able to read that and can plow through the full 288 pages later, uh, the executive summary is there at the top, and then you can hit the uh, recommendations, the FAQs, and everything related to that. Speaking of those recommendations, the executive committee met this week and revised some budgets. They revised the budget for this year uh, that we're currently in, talking about the overage and how to use some of that overage money to help fund the recommendations, as well as revising the budget for the next fiscal year. Uh, that'll be the 22-23 budget and providing funding from that, a, a special priority allocation from that for the recommendations to be able to fund the recommendations as well as what the, the task force, the implementation task force will bring in the future. So basically setting up a pot of money for the implementation task force to use uh, if those recommendations are passed to better prevent and respond to sexual abuse in the Southern Baptist Convention. This year's budget was amended to take the first $5 million of the overage and put it into a fund to be able to respond this year. And then next year's budget, there was a $4 million special priority allocation added to that one, bringing that total up to just over $196 million next year for the cooperative program allocation budget. And that $4 million would also go into that fund to help offset costs and cover costs related to the implementation of what the implementation task force recommends. Yeah. And it's, it's helpful to remember that what was happening is, you know, in, in the regular cycle, the EC recommends budgets to the convention and then the convention approves. So one of them, when talking about the, the 2021, 22 budget that was already approved by messengers last year, this is the EC recommending an amendment to that. And then the recommendation that they already passed in February, they amended that. So these things will come before the messengers, but this is what the EC is going to recommend. I also just want to point out that before we recorded this segment, Jonathan, you had intended for me to explain that. And I refused because <laughs> I, uh, I watched part of the meeting. I had, I had a lunch meeting yesterday and did, wasn't able to watch all of it, but I watched part of it and there was a lot of numbers in there and like this part of the budget and overage and reserves and so many different terms that um, I, I, I try to not refuse too often, but I was like, no way am I going to get that all right. So thanks for explaining that. Jonathan. Yeah. All right. Some other responses to last week's news, uh, both the release of the alleged abuser list and as well as the report. Uh, a couple of responses to that. The SBTC has announced they will hire a sexual abuse and survivor care consultant. And the KBC is preparing a handbook to help churches prevent and respond to sexual abuse. That's the Southern Baptists of Texas Convention and the Kentucky Baptist Convention. Also, Southwestern released a list of individuals connected to the school uh, that were involved in that list released last week. A right. few responses to last week's news. That's right. And I think we're going to continue to see that. And what we are 
what we are seeing is just a general pattern that whether it's among entity responses or state conventions of how much people are making the a priority. Absolutely. So the links to those stories, you can check those out over at the show notes, uh, all those from Baptist Press as well. So, uh, you know, I, I think you're right. We're going to see a lot more states get on board with what they can do because that was part of the recommendations as well. I mean, the, the task force recommended for all Baptist bodies, uh, including the state conventions, to do certain things to better prepare and equip churches and to better care for survivors of sexual abuse. Amy, we have some news for the annual meeting. Got another nomination announcement. Brad Eubank, the pastor at Petal First Baptist Church in Petal, Mississippi, will be nominated for SBC First Vice President. Yes. So Adam Wyatt announced that this week. So Brad is, uh, yeah, he's there in Mississippi. He has served at Petal First Baptist since 2012. He has 32 years of pastoral experience serving churches in Alabama, Louisiana, and Texas. So uh, they've actually, since 2012, increased their CP giving from $8,593 to $72,581. That's bad, a big huh? jump in 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so in 2021, they gave 9.8% of their undesignated gifts and offerings to CP. Um, one thing that Adam Wyatt also mentioned in his nomination is Brad Eubank is actually mentioned in the task force report uh, as a survivor, but an advocate as well. And um, I think in his story in the task force talked about a desire to educate other and equip other churches. And so that, that seems to be something that's very important for him. And I think that's part of the reason that Adam Wyatt uh, has brought this nomination at this time. Yeah. All right. So uh, that means two nominations for SBC First Vice President, that's Brad Eubank and Victor Chayasarizabon. All right, Amy, Keelan Cook, good friend of the pod, has been promoted to the director of the Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary's Center for Great Commission Studies. Yeah, this is really exciting. As you said, Keelan and Meredith, both good friends of the pod and, and uh, good friends of ours here, uh, they were at Southeastern for years, and then Keelan went and was serving with the Union Baptist Association in Texas until he came back. He was the associate director of the Center for Great Commission Studies, taking the, the role that Greg Mathias had served for a number of years yeah. until he went to start a similar center in New Orleans. Um, and then uh, Scott Hildreth, who has been the director of the CGCS for 13 years, he is going to go full-time into the classroom. And let me tell you, he is so excited about that. Every time you talk to Scott Hildreth, he's like, anybody hear about my new job? I'm just teaching. He's very excited. He's a great, <laughs> a great teacher and loves it. So ready to kind of cast that administrative life away and just uh, focus on the students. So I don't know who's more excited about this, Keelan or Scott, but uh, Keelan's going to do an incredible job and uh, really a, a huge heart for both international missions and church planting. Um, so pretty, pretty cool stuff. Yep. All right. And another person on the move down at the Baptist College of Florida, Clayton Clore has been named the new president. Yeah. Clayton is a senior pastor of Church at the Cross in Orlando. Um, and they're, the board of Baptist College of Florida unanimously approved the search committee's recommendation. He will start on November 1st and then uh, as president-elect and then will become the president on January 1st, 2023. So very exciting. Congratulations to Clayton on that move to the BCF. And then finally, Amy, we got some stats that were released this past week 
from the IMB, kind of giving a snapshot of their work throughout the year in 2021. Yes. So this is the annual statistical report. It's uh, for 2021. It's now available to the public, some sort of snapshot. They have a great graphic there that talks about uh, 93 new people groups and places engaged uh, 176,795 new believers, 107,701 baptisms, 22,744 new churches. Those are just, just a few. There's a graphic that has even more. And then the entire report gives more details, but it helps us to be able to see back home as the ones holding the ropes to see what's happening overseas. So definitely go and check this out. They uh, gave that to their trustees at the board meeting a few weeks ago, and now it is available to the public. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our news this week and bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. We're going to go back to 1957, and I want to give props to Laura Erlinson for finding this little nugget on the perfect, perfect week. So there's a great essay that was released on May 29th. It was during the convention, which was happening in Chicago in 1957. And it was an address, I believe, that was uh, at the SBC by Josephine Skaggs. She's a missionary. And uh, they released the words of her speech. They released the transcript. And it starts with repeatedly comes the question How did you feel when told that you were to meet with Queen Elizabeth II, shake hands with her and talk with her? So we literally have in this week's like this week in SBC history, a uh, an address that talks about what it was like to meet the Queen of England, to meet Queen Elizabeth II. That's incredible timing this week as we are celebrating or as the UK, I guess we're not celebrating since we were the revolutionaries that left, but her uh, platinum Jubilee, you know, it's the 70th. So this is like the week for Queen Elizabeth. And it turns out that in 1957, one of our missionaries um, actually talked about her experience meeting her. So I found Joe Skaggs' uh, obituary. She died in 2001 when she was 90 years old. And so just kind of give you a little bit of background. She was a teacher at the Nigerian Baptist Theological Seminary from 1939 to 1940. Then she went to uh, Eastern Nigeria and then went to the Bush area. She basically was all over Nigeria as an educator and was known around the world. So in 1956, Queen Elizabeth, this is a year before this uh, address, Queen Elizabeth named her an honorary member of the Order of the British Empire, which is kind of like- Wow. Right, which is kind of like knighthood. Um, the other people who got this are President Reagan yeah. and uh, Norman Schwarzkopf. Uh, CBS did a documentary on her in the 1950s. So, I mean, she was incredible. Then she retired in 1978, did all kinds of mission speaking engagements, things like that. Lived until she was uh, 90 years old in 2001. Um, but when she gave this address at the SBC, she talked about that experience. It's just like a year later. She said, from the human standpoint, fear gripped my entire being. I was almost as frightened as I was when asked to speak at this great Southern Baptist convention. This fear found expression in many questions in my own mind. How would one whose time was spent riding in a canoe and a Jeep and clumsily climbing up and down river and Creek banks ever curtsy 
without falling. What would a Niger Delta river rat say to a queen? Why was such an unworthy person to become an honorary member of the British empire? And then she says the human question ceased and the fear subsided in the light of the truth. It was not an individual being recognized, but a great movement. The movement was that of God's grace working through our churches, hospitals, and schools in changing human hearts, lives, and conditions in an isolated backward river area of many small tribes in Eastern Nigeria. And then she goes on to just an incredible address all about their work in Nigeria, but it's a great sort of, uh, a great sort of, um, talk about what it was like to meet the queen and then how it focused, how the focus changed to the mission. And the way she concluded was an unworthy person had the courage to meet the queen of England who seemed personally interested in the progress, which God's grace has brought about in a remote area of Nigeria. So really cool, very inspiring address, something I did not know about. Um, So one of our missionaries met Queen Elizabeth, who we are celebrating or who the world is celebrating or who UK is celebrating. I don't know what you say, but I'm an Anglophile. I love watching all of it. I love the queen um, who is having her platinum Jubilee. And we were talking about her at the SBC this week in SBC history. I missed that scene in the crown, apparently. Yeah, they didn't have they put it should have put her in there. And there was there were some like episodes about uh, Queen Elizabeth sort of engaging with faith. There's that episode with Billy Graham and stuff. Why couldn't we have had Josephine Skaggs? Yeah. Would have been cool. Maybe maybe uh, maybe the next iteration of the crown. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I knew this was coming because of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. So there we go. We, we got that worked somehow worked that into the uh, the podcast this week. Absolutely. And like I said, props to Laura Erlinson. She found this one. All right. I, Carol Pipes, if she's listening, she that was like her favorite history segment ever. So I, it better have been. Yes. yes maybe mine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That brings us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is. All right. I got two. Okay. One is uh, I'm taking a little personal privilege for my state, but I'll do that in a second. First one is the SBC annual meeting app. Yeah, that's that's like a combo from both of us, basically. Yeah, Yeah. make sure you get it. We've talked about it on here before, but this is the week to get it now. Resources, all sorts of things are being added to it every day. Uh, But also I want to do a shout out to North Carolina Baptist. Just launched a brand new website with all kinds of great branding and stuff. We got a new logo. Um, all these things, new navigation features aimed at uh, better serving people across North Carolina. I know we got a lot of North Carolina Baptist listeners. If you uh, if you are listening, check out that new website um, and uh, just see all the different things. NCBaptist.org, see all the different things that they have. And also like some merch so you can represent North Carolina Baptist. And if you're not, well, come on and check it out anyway. So, yep. Got to just give a give a good shout out to the home crowd. Yeah, you are on mission together. That's right. That's right. All right, my resource of the week, um, a little bit off topic, I guess, but yeah, a, a, just a delightful article that I read this week on Jim Varney and the yes. making of Ernest P. Worrell. Yes, um, per- specifically Ernest goes to camp. Yes, so Ernest goes to camp. Many of you probably have seen that movie. It's um, I wouldn't say it's a classic, 
by any means, but it's a fun movie from... If you're from Nashville, yeah. it is. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, I guess so. But it turns 35 this summer. So it's been 35 years since that was released, released back in 1987. And, you know, Ernest, for many of my generation, a little bit older, you probably remember him as yeah. uh, the, the guy from the commercials, uh, whether it be natural gas, a dairy, uh, right. electrical service, whatever it is. Right. I mean, he was on the TV all the time. Yeah, and then the movie started. Yeah. And so it's Ernest Goes to Camp, Ernest Saves Christmas, Ernest Goes to Jail. My cousin was in Ernest Goes to Jail. She was an extra on the jury oh, in that. And so okay. you see her like one time when it pans the crowd. And also, I get that I'm, I get this is an SBC podcast, but give a little Church of Christ history here. Um, there's, uh, for those in churches of Christ, which I used to work with youth in my days before I was a Southern Baptist and, uh, um, the, one of the, um, a youth minister in the church of Christ too, if you go to lots of camps and stuff is Todd Lloyd, he's very respected. He was one of the kids. He was chip Osgood and Ernest goes to camp. Oh, okay. And so for years it was like, it, when you go to these, like, uh, the camps during the summer, you know, and Todd Lloyd would be an MC or whatever. Every, it was like, it's the Ernest goes to camp guy. He was kind of famous. He was infamous, famous, whatever for that. Um, so, uh, and he's still serving, serving faithfully out there as a student, uh, pastor, but, uh, but I always heard that. And so this, this article, I had already seen it and then you sent it to me this week as well. And it's just a, just a cool thing. Great yeah. memories. Yes. So the, the movie was shot over at, Dixon County's Montgomery Bell State Park, which is just a great west, park, just west of uh, of Nashville and uh, just south of Cheatham County, right? Yeah, yeah. So the home of Amy Whitfield. Nope, so, close to the home of Amy Whitfield, yeah, but whatever. yeah. All righty. Well, yeah. So that's my resource of the week. Just a really good article. If you if you ever saw the Ernest movies or remember him from your childhood or maybe your young adulthood, uh, for those of you maybe older than us, uh, it's it's just a really delightful article. So yes. All right. That's going to do it for our show this week. Amy, we just have a few days until we head to Anaheim. So yep. uh, our we're going to record our preview episode this weekend. That'll drop on Monday. So we're going to try to get that to everybody on Monday. So you can listen to the preview episode for the annual meeting. We'll walk through everything. We'll walk through a little bit of the sex abuse task force recommendations as well, because that's going to be a big hot topic at the annual meeting, as well as some other things that will be dealing with on the business side of stuff. So a lot of information coming to you this weekend. Uh, we'll get that out to you on Monday. So thanks for listening to us this week. Amy, I will see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.